Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, Ask questions and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now... Taz and Paula. Well, good afternoon out there, everyone. Our guest today is the founder and head of the School for Self-Healing in San Francisco, California. He takes quantum leaps, bridging the capabilities that exist in every single one of us for healing ourselves. He is truly the teacher's teacher. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. People travel from all over the world to have me or work with them. He truly walks in an illuminated state, igniting those around him to become more flexible in their thoughts and more in tune with their bodies. He is a respected therapist, an educator, and a best-selling author. Mayer healed himself of congenital blindness and other serious vision problems, and now he has a driver's license. <laughs> Paula, would you agree that Mayer has more than the Midas touch? Well, he sure does. Mayer says you do not have to deteriorate with age and use your body uh, is renewable. You know, a lot of people don't believe that their bodies are renewable, but it's true. And from all indications, Mir's method seems to overturn the unconscious expectations that problem how we think, move, breathe, and see. By teaching us new ways to move, live, and experience life, Mir Schneider is with us again. He's one of our favorite guests. Welcome, Mir. Hey, Don't nice to be on your journey. show, Paul and Taz. Uh, yeah. Hi. We hear, we hear that you you're going to help us really unwrap a, a whole us. new way of uh, thinking about our bodies today, right, Mir? Well, absolutely. I hope so, at least. Uh, you know, I was just returning from a trip to uh, Israel, where I had 70 students in Jerusalem um, in a vision workshop from the Black Forest in Germany when I had 60 students on a three-day workshop on the body and the eyes. And from uh, England, I, I lectured and worked in Devon, England, which is the south, and then in London in the body, mind, and spirit, and then the College of Psychic Studies. I felt like I was there in Hogwarts. <laughs> I slept there, and I taught there in a big workshop. So I uh, I feel like a little bit tired from the trip, but very, very happy to be here tonight, uh, Monday. I know that uh, the broadcast is going to be later. 
Uh, we're going to have a, a free workshop, and next Monday we'll have a free workshop um, uh, on the body, on, on the, the spine and joints and movement. Uh, last Monday we had a free workshop on the eyes, well attended. But uh, in your neck of the woods, in um, East West Bookshop, which is in Mountain View, uh, on Wednesday the 25th is going to be a free lecture from 7 to 8.30. <clears throat> and um, I always have a big crowd there. Last time there were 80 people, and I like to have the same number of people there. And I meet even some people who are in KQ, KKUP, uh, like Cheryl. She often comes to my lectures uh, in in um, in East West Bookshop, and uh, on the 28th of the month, uh, we're going to have a whole day workshop from uh, 10 to 5:30 on natural vision improvement. I really recommend for people to come and see what they can do to improve their vision. Because one thing that is missing in medicine is the faith and the belief that your eyes can improve. And the result is that most people's eyes deteriorate. I mean, people already have the belief that with exercise they can help their heart, they can help the lungs, they can help their blood flow, although I have some criticism against the normal exercise routines and regimes, and I'll, ha I'll be glad to talk about it. But people have absolutely no faith in their vision or their hearing uh, getting better, and I think that both actually can get better uh, in most cases, and most vision problems are preventable if we do what we need to do. And the problem is like a freight train. The situation in people's vision is worse, and that's why I've written my book, Vision for Life. It's my latest book, and I hope to follow it up with another book, Clear Vision for Life. But at this point, I have my book, Vision for Life, which I think that the two of you have, right? Yes, yes, we do. Yeah. And... Um, and uh, I've given people practical ways to prevent most vision problems, including the strain that we have in front of the computer, which is now common to, to basically uh, billions of people. I think that um, uh, people really need to understand that it's not natural for the human eye to look at a computer for many hours. And I'm not saying you should stop because that's where you get much of your information. That's where you gain a lot of independence. At the same time, I think it's, uh, it's very good for us to, first of all, look at a distance and also pay attention to our periphery by waving the hands to the side because if you don't look at a distance and you don't pay attention to the periphery, you strain your eyes. We used to pay attention to the periphery for a million years. And right now, when you look at a computer, before you know, you forget there are walls, there's a floor, and there's a ceiling, and you just put your whole uh, strain on what's in front of you, and that leads to loss of vision. Um, and if you don't look at a distance, it's very strenuous for your eyes, because in the past, we used to be hunters and, and farmers and and we used to look at a distance to know what the weather is. We did not have weather report on the radio. We used to look at a distance to see how the forest looks like, how the environment is. Our news was what the eyes could see. Just like, you know, when uh, captains uh, in the sea used to look uh, at their campus, but they also used to look at what's in front of them. Do they see islands? Do they see land? These days, everything is computerized. Basically, the computer will tell you everything. They're saying these days you cannot get lost because the GPS 
brings you everywhere. I must say it's practical for me as well. But the point is, we don't look enough at the distance. And when we look from near for many hours and we don't look at a distance, we hurt the eye entirely. The lens muscles become overstrained, and the lens is too convex for too long. It needs to also be flat, and it's flat when we look at a distance. Fluids are not draining from the eyes, and the eye starts to swell and accumulate. People have red eyes. They treat them with drops instead of treating the essential problem that they have accumulated fatigue and strain. So I recommend people to look at a distance, wave their hands to the side, sometimes lie down and put cold towels around their eyes when their eyes are inflamed and, sw- and swollen, and to do eye exercises to prevent so many problems that are completely preventable with the eye exercises. And and that will prevent ophthalmologists from having so much work because at this point, people going in their masses to ophthalmologists from a certain age, if you're not continuously at the ophthalmologist's office, you're not uh, the rule, you're an exception. So that's the message of my book, Vision for Life. That will be my message at East West Bookshop. And that's going to be definitely the practical application that we're going to have in my class, I think people get out with a lot of knowledge in their hands. And uh, then we have uh, longer classes, like training courses, where we teach you both on the eyes and on the body. Um, Mayor, um, uh, we had a lady call in and ask, um, what about tear ducts that are dry? And um, uh, is there anything that can be done about that? Well, there's two reasons why, you're dry, why the tear ducts are dry. Uh, three reasons. One reason could be that simply the tear ducts are not functioning well, and that becomes a medical acute problem because we definitely need to uh, to have wet eyes. But then there is a second reason, and this is that the autonomic nervous system is not in balance, and that leads us to produce less tears. And then there's a third reason that we strain the eyes to the point that they become dry. Now, that can be remedies with eye exercises and with stretches. I can tell you that whenever I stretch well and do my exercises well, I have this nice feeling of moist in my eyes. Again, let's talk about the opposite problem where you have uncontrollable tearing. That's not good, and that is a medical acute issue. But most of the time what happens is the eyes are dry, or over-tear because of lack of balance. So if we learn uh, to balance the autonomic nervous system, the fight and flight versus the relaxed system, we'll have tears. If we stretch well and also if we do uh, eye exercises properly, the eyes will become soft and moist, and it's a real good sign that the eyes are doing well. So many, many people have dry eyes. I mean, many more than you can count. And I think most of it is not because of an acute or medical problem. Most of it is because of uh, poor use of the eyes and tension of the body. Are we still online? Yes, we are. Yes. I'm hearing all those sounds, so that's why. <laughs> well, I, I personally, I have dry eyes, so you've given me a bit of information. Maybe I need to exercise more. Absolutely. For example, a wonderful exercise is to sit cross-legged on the floor unless your knees don't agree with that. So if your knees don't agree with that, you can put small pillows under the knees. 
hold your legs and move your whole body in rotating motion and you can move in rotating motion forwards you can also hold one side and move in rotating motion to that side then hold the other side move in rotating motion to the other side and if you do enough of that then you may find that your eyes are starting to be a bit more moist simply because your middle back is more relaxed and more blood is flowing to the eyes also putting cold towel over your eyes not ice you know like you put and it should be wet so you put a, a towel in the freezer for about uh, uh, three four minutes or in the refrigerator for about half an hour and it's nice and cold and you're going to see that if you cool your eyes they feel much more pleasant and they'll start to be more moist and also the exercise of blinking where you blink real gently and palming where you rub your hands and put your hands over your eyes and sit for at least six minutes focus on your eyes focus on breathing visualize dark color or black all of those could lead eventually to moist in the eyes and the moment that your eyes are moist you know they're relaxed and if they're not moist you know they're very stressed Oh. Well, I know when I meditate, when I meditate, my ears, my eyes start to tear. So Isn't that nice? Because I'm, yes. So See, this is exactly the, the solution. Exactly. You relax your body, you relax your mind, you get more circulation, and tearing is a part of your relaxation. When your eyes are dry, often it, leads, it means tension. And Paula, you are so much not alone. I would right now, I have not made statistics, but I'm willing to bet, that more than a billion people have exactly the problem that you have worldwide. <laughs> yeah. I wish I, they could all <laughs> listen to your show. Well, come, I mean, I think uh, it goes probably the lack of exercise, but I'm thinking the older people get, the more prone they are to dry eyes so because, right. maybe because they're not exercising. Yeah. Pay attention to the, it's a slippery slope. They become stiffer, they become weaker. It's like this, you know, your strength is a given when you're 20 and 30. It's not a given when you're 40 and older, and you really have to make a point of exercising. And this we come to another point, if you don't mind. I want to talk about kinesthetic awareness. Yes, go ahead. Okay, good. So, you know, many people exercise their body mindlessly, which means they beat up on the body. They run in order to achieve things. They um, work on an extreme diet in order to look good. They um, go to, to the gym to lift uh, weights to the point of exhaustion. And what happens is at first it looks good. They look better. They feel better for a while. And then what happens is everything collapses. Uh, uh, the worst thing that I can hear is, I was such a fit person in my 30s, and I look at my 50s, I deteriorated completely. When you hear things like this, you know that they were fit at the expense of their body. Because what happens is, we don't feel what the body needs. There are days when I feel like running. There are days when I would run even as far as 20 miles. Not frequently, maybe once a year. Normally my run is about 4 or 5 miles, and there are days when I feel exactly like doing that, there are days when I feel like biking, and then there are days when I feel like stretching because I feel that running is just not going to be right to my body. I can do it. Nothing wrong is going to happen to me, but the body doesn't want it. 
So I stretch. That's one of the things I feel that I breathe deeper, my eyes are moist, and then I feel I've done something right for my body. And then there are those days when I don't feel like running or like stretching, but I feel like breathing and like meditating. And for me, the palming exercise is a meditation. And there are days when I feel more like lying down and resting. That is kinesthetic awareness. You feel what your body needs. You don't dictate, but you listen. And listening to the body is so important. There was a very famous uh, French author by the name of Therese Berterard, who who wrote the book, The Body Has Its Reasons. And she wrote, your body is your house. You're the landlord. And a long time ago, you lost the keys. I think it is so appropriate to say that because we don't have a clue about our body. And so how do we build kinesthetic awareness? First of all, by relaxation. When you start to relax, you start to feel what you need. You start to feel how your thoughts are controlling you. You're not controlled by them. But the thoughts that control you are being controlled by previous thoughts, that you're not a clean slate. You're just playing videos. You cannot really control how you think and what you think, which uh, makes you less of what you could be. That you overstrain muscles that you always strain. We have six hundred muscles, most of us use between 50 to 100 of them. We overstrain the muscles that we have. We create less space between the joints. And that's why people, when they start to reach their 50s, are becoming arthritic. So many hip joint replacements exist in the world. So much of the work of medicine is bandaging, but so much of the work we have is bandaging. You know, so many people started to stretch in yoga and they cured arthritis. And 10 years later, they have arthritis because of yoga. They start to have injury because of that. So many people start to run and have better blood flow. And because of running, within 10, 15 years, they have heart attacks and many other problems. So it's not a discipline. It's the ability to listen to the body that makes the difference. And that's why my course of um, training in my work starts with deep listening to the body. I'm sick and tired of all those courses that give you simple answer to the complex issue of life, and this is to listen to the body. Because throughout our whole life, we learn to not listen. We learn to impose things on the body. From the moment that kids learn to sit and not move, they learn to not listen. So we're not the way that we were in the jungle many years ago, but even then people were disciplined by the stronger people. This is one of the best things that we can do to listen to our body needs as it is, not to hate our body, not to be upset at ourselves for having some extra weight or not looking exactly perfectly, but to work on the body, listen to it, and do whatever the body needs from us and nurture it. Sometimes you nurture it by making a constructive effort. That's a great thing. Don't ever be lazy. But listen, feel what it really needs what it needs beyond its desires and start to desire the right thing for your body. That's real kinesthetic awareness. It starts with breathing, with different positions, with subtle movements, with uh, work on the senses, eye exercises, hearing exercises, and especially listening to the body. That makes a huge difference. That's how I invented most of the things that I needed to invent for people. I listen to what they need.
Mm. You know, such a nice sliding scale. I like that. It's like, okay, pay attention to what you feel in your body. You know, not a lot of people think about that. Like you said, they go mindlessly like a video game and and head to their corner to do their exercise, and they don't think about what is really needed for their for their sweet body. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you know, Mayor, I just need to let people know, too, on your website, I love what you're doing. You're giving the tip of the week. And that is so wonderful. You can go and you listen and, um, and again, be able to pull in new information. Uh, that and that's, that's – I want to give you a compliment. You know, um, the media uh, uh, thrives on being skeptical. The media – is thriving on criticizing anything they don't know and don't understand. And you and Paula, not only with myself, but with um, many of your guests, you're trying to draw out of them knowledge that most people are not aware of. And you're not trying to attack them with what considered to be regular knowledge. Most people don't understand what kinesthetic awareness is, which is an, a deep awareness of the body, a deep awareness of the way that your blood flows. The blood flow is silent, but there are many ways you can know that it flows well. For example, if your body feels light, if it feels more agile, if you feel refreshed. Um, so there are many things that can help you know that you really are moving your body forward, but then so, so many people are trying to beat up on the body, and when you talk to the general media, they only think in terms of how people already think, and they are not really open to new information in new channels. Yeah. Well, you so, know what? I You have to learn the hard way sometimes. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so, and that's why I really hope your show... I hope that your show will be much more popular one of these days. It's almost the undiscovered show in a remote radio, but you should go beyond that, and I really hope that many, many people will listen to you, and if not on the radio itself, on the web, will listen to you and to the wonderful guests and presenters that you have on your show and draw out of them knowledge that people need to learn. Thank you, Mir. <clears throat> well, Thank we're you. getting there. Well, I'm gonna I'm asking I'm gonna ask a question um about evolution. I mean, are, are you continuously learning more and more about the body as you work with people? Absolutely. There's no choice because first of all, many problems exist these days that didn't exist ten years ago. How can you then deal with things that didn't happen then that are happening now? Also, many poor concepts have evolved uh, to a point of so much injury with so many people, and you have to meet the person where he is now to be able to help them. Um, in this world where we try to find such simple solutions, your hip joint worn out, no problem. We'll replace it with uh, metal and plastic. And the idea is we fix everything the way that we fix them. You have Parkinson's, no problem. We'll give you some chemicals and you will not shake as much. Now, I'm not trying to really criticize medicine in that sense. Sometimes we do need acute care, and medicine is very good for it. But the problem is we look at the body as if we are engineers that are fixing something that goes wrong. 
instead of first of all looking at mother nature and starting to say let's find out what nature really wants from us let's first of all find out if we can be guests in our body and know what we need to do with it so in terms of answering to your questions there's so many new things that I have to discover all the time and partially because of medical advances that keep fixing things that could have been prevented in the first place if people would listen to the body. I mean, I'm so happy that there's a huge campaign against smoking. Smoking is bad for you. I'm happy there's a campaign against alcohol. Alcohol is bad for you. I'm happy there's a campaign against sugar in some uh, level. That is also bad for you. Fine. But when, when that ends, what comes next? And what comes next comes the question of can we also have a campaign for more sensitivity to our body, more sense of our body, and doing things that the body needs, like deeper breathing, like more subtle movement, like discovering muscles that we never knew we had. For example, the audience at home, try to stand up and lift one of your legs sideways, look at your watch, and lift it as high as you can, and see if you can hold it up for one minute and uh, enjoy yourself while you're holding it up for one minute. Is that a possibility for you? Because if you do that and it's easy for you, you're ahead of most people. Because most people never leave their, leg, leave their leg sideways and keep it sideways. That's one little example. Um, people, you know, in gyms are doing 14, 15 different exercises and in that they finish. We have 600 muscles. We have to start and learn that most of the muscles that we have, we never used. And we have to start and relax the muscles we use, start to use muscles we never used before, and then work on, uh, on uh, integrating the ones we, we always used with the ones we never used, and create balance in the body. And balance is truly healing. I want to tell you, Paul, I'm now almost approaching my 60th year. I'm on September 21st, I'll be 60. And I'm stronger than most 20-year-olds that I know. I run better and quicker than most of them. Um, I, can, I definitely, um, uh, almost in every workshop that I have, I demonstrate that, um, where, that somebody can stand on my lower back and I lift them up and down. I can have four or five strong people push against my shoulders and I push them back. I can have eight people trying to pin me to the wall and I push them all back. And I was not trying to have a circus. The reason I'm that strong is actually because of the kinesthetic awareness and a lot of the subtle movement and enrolling muscles that most people don't even know exist for them. And guess what? I have the exact same muscles that other people have. I'm just trying to wake them up. You know, I think it's rather well, interesting that now people, you know, are in their... 30s and 40s, and actually, when I was 30 or 40, I was really, really healthy compared to what 30 and 40 year olds are presently. I'm I'm surprised that you know the health issues, everything in their 40s are. I mean, people are not that healthy. No, they're not. And just guess what's going to happen to them when, when they'll be 60 and 70. It's scary. So it is. It is not so good. So what I'm saying is. Let's go to the drawing board. And the drawing board is 
Paula, you're talking about the meditation. Let's meditate the body. Let's sense the body and sense its needs. And let's stop being so skeptical about what the body can do for itself. Now, I must say, the world improved in some ways in that they understand there's limitation to acute care. But they don't practice it practically. Even when they try to think about limitation to acute care, they try to fix the body with vitamins, with holistic things, but still take something to your mouth and that's going to fix you. Like press a button and you're going to to do much better. And truth of the matter is that is not going to do it. It is you tuning to yourself 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, an hour a day, sensing yourself, sensing your needs, nurturing yourself, and responding to yourself. And that is the most important thing that you can do. And that means that you really appreciate the fact that nature gave you your life. You know, so many people want to preserve nature. and My goodness, bless them, and it's a good thing. And I'm happy, uh, Paula, that you live in one of the nicest places in the state of California, if not in the whole world. But um, as much as we want to do that, how about starting to preserve our own body? And start exactly where it is. Don't worry about the extra 50 pounds you have right now and think that the only bottle that you have is get rid of your pounds. Believe me, you get rid of your pounds, the diabetes will come anyway. What you want to do is improve your blood flow, discover muscles that you never knew you had, integrate between them and other muscles, create balance in your body. You want to improve and sharpen your senses. And even if you lost a little bit of your hearing, you can still improve your hearing. One good exercise, by the way, is actually to put your thumbs inside your ears for about 20 breaths, five or six times a day, and listen to your breath. And that can really help you rest from all the noise around you. And slowly, slowly, you find that your hearing is a bit clearer. Also, loosening up your neck. That's one of the main things that's going to help you hear better. And, of course, you cannot loosen up your neck if you don't loosen up your whole body. So working on listening to your body is one of the most important things. And I think that all my knowledge over, you know, I started to do my work before I was 17. So it's in my blood, so to speak. So all my knowledge over 43 years of life and more basically is only the beginning step of a dialogue with the being that I see in front of me, with the body that I see in front of me. And I just hope that I will be given the chance to keep having innovation and keep having my deep intuition with most of the people that I will work with. Well, I can give you a good example of what happens when you don't use something. Mm-hmm. I had my foot in a cast, and it was my foot that's broken, but because it was in a cast so long, I got the cast off, my ankle wasn't working. Exactly. It wasn't broken. It, it was just not, I didn't move it for seven weeks. So, I mean, just those seven weeks made things freeze up. And then what you do then, you see what does move. So, for example, if your knee moves, you work with your knee. You lie on your back and you bend and straighten your knee. If your toes work, you move your toes. And then you put your foot in water and you see if you can move it a little bit better in water, like you sit in the bathtub and you try to move it. So when something does not move, you try to see what is proximal to it, move that, 
and then it starts to move more and more. And I want to tell you something. Uh, talking about those things, I um, took a course myself. I never have done it on... Um, uh, uh, on on um, aromatherapy, and it's interesting. The lady who ran the course says, "Oh, you're Mir Schneider." I said, "Yes." She's 44 now. She came to me when she was 14 because her father. There was a divorce. Her father demanded that they listen to the doctors and do a major knee surgery. Her mother brought her to me in a few sessions, and he was okay, and there was no need for the surgery. And that caused her to learn massage. Too bad not with me, but it caused her to learn massage and caused her to have a whole different life as a result of it. So I just met it this weekend. I never, I didn't recognize her, but she recognized me. I mean, although I'm sure that I changed a bit throughout these years, but <laughs> she recognized me. So I just wanted to know that life could change, and when it changes, it can change permanently. Well, I think people forget that our body is renewable. All our cells and everything are renewed Absolutely. every what every few weeks. And depends which cells. Different cells do different things. But the body is definitely renewable. And the thing is, the more you listen to it, and the more you function in the way that is uh, th- that is that is that's the reason why I'm asking for people to come and work with me. I hope. In fact, I will expand the course. By this point, it's 16 days, 10 hours a day, and in the future, it's probably going to be 20 days. I hope that at the end of that course, after working with muscles we never worked before, improving our vision, improving our hearing, listening to the body in different ways, that when they go back to life, if they have an hour, they spend an hour, if they have eight minutes, they spend eight minutes, and every single day, they do something for the body that they have not done before. And if that will be the case, their life will be different. They'll have a new lease for life. And that new lease for life will change so many impossible situations and will make them probable. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I know that Mayor, everybody me... talking about the core strength. The core strength is uh, what you need to work on so your lower back is strong and so is that right. part of your course yes well part of my course is actually teaching you that you don't have to contract your abdomen for everything that's what they teach you in pilates and in other exercises tell you tense the abdomen tense the abdomen that then you tense the abdomen with everything that you do and you basically shorten your whole body what you have to learn is strengthen the lower back for its sake the specific Muscles in the lower back you need to work. Strengthen the middle back and mobilize it. Strengthen the muscles of the ribs. Strengthen your lower back. Strengthen your abdomen for its own sake. And strengthen muscles you never used before. So your core strength is actually in expanding the muscular use that you have. And in that way, I'm so different than anyone else. It's almost hard to hear me in a sense because everybody wants simple answers. Just do that many push-ups do this many things. No. Listen to where you don't do. For example, we lie on tennis balls, those of us who can do it, and we slowly soften muscles which are, which are always tight. And then we move in rotating motion because quite often we don't. And then we learn to let go of our abdomen, which sports taught us to 
constantly tense our abdomen when we do other motions. We also learn to contract the abdomen when we want to do that, like lifting the two legs together, like um, uh, contracting the Kegel muscles, you know, the the sphincters of the bladder and of the anal sphincters and breathing deeply and moving the abdomen up and down. So basically, our core strength is in good circulation and our core strength is using what we've never used before. And we also learn the electricity of the body, how the center of the body connects to the center of the earth and how we should find a way for that to happen. Let me give all the audience at home an example. For example, move your head in rotating motion in both directions and breathe deeply and do it for a little while and then tap on the uh, abdomen several times, tap on it and then move your head in rotating motion again and you can see that it's easy to um, move the head in rotating motion and loosen it up. So those are the type of things that we do. Expand the, the work of the body, break tight connective tissue on our own, soften the body, and get uh, the body to be much lighter and more mobile. And that is something they don't teach almost anywhere. They teach you disciplines, but they don't teach you to feel. Okay. Let me just kind of go back over. June 16th is is actually t- uh, tonight, and you have a, a free healing, self-healing lecture um, at the school from 7 until 8.30. And right. if anybody can get there, and in fact, I'm going to pop this up on Facebook so people can see. Uh, it's really incredible. And again, on June the 23rd, which is the next Monday, so it looks like every Monday you have free lectures. Right. Um, Those three Mondays when I'm in town, I love to give free lectures. Uh, part of the f- reason that we're non-profit, we in fact advertise the lectures with very good showing, around 20 people per lecture. Uh, if you come tonight with your back pain, you may miss it and live without it. So um, uh, unless you adore your back pain, come to get rid of it. And, and when are uh, you going to be at the East West Bookstore? I'm going to be in the East West Bookstore on Wednesday, the 25th. Um, I'll go, by the way, to the Polio Foundation uh, in Martinez uh, this coming Saturday, the 20th, and I will work with people with post-polio syndrome. I think that I'm able to help people prevent it or deal with it well when they have it. I really enjoy working with polio patients. Um, I think, that again, they're victims of regular... I mean, not victims, but they have a lot of problems as a result of the regular practice that exists in that people taught polio patients to use their strong muscles and forget their paralyzed limbs. And I think that in every case that I worked with a paralyzed limb, there was some movement possible that I taught people to do, and that took away stress from the very strong muscles that they always work with. And they're really the epitome of what happens to all of us. We learn so much to rely on fewer of our muscles with great intensity. In sports, we learn to overstrain what's already strained to the point of exhaustion, and then people lose a lot of it with time and have all kinds of problems like arthritis and nerve problems and nerve disease, and they have all those particular problems throughout the years as a result of using less of what we have with more intensity. You know, um, 
sometimes the most obvious things in the world are not being seen by most people. If you're tired of running forwards, run backwards. If you're tired um, of running forwards and backwards, don't stop running. Run sideways. If you're tired of many vigorous exercises, do subtle exercise. If you're tired of those, do vigorous exercises. Start to learn the incredible amount of things your body can do, but do nurture your body because everything in life tells you not to do that. We're busy, we have bills to pay, economy struggles, all kinds of things which are really hard on us. I think we need to do things which are easy for us. Mayor, is there an exercise for the head? <laughs> no, I'm thinking, okay, you know, the the people, they think a whole lot. Is there any way to just kind of... Um, uh, yeah, definitely. For example, massaging the head. You know, if you choose to do that, uh, to massage the head, to separate the scalp from the skull and to bring much more circulation to the head. I want to tell you actually a story that happened to me in my 20s. In fact, early 20s, I remember there was a woman who came to me for multiple sclerosis, and I helped her a lot with her multiple sclerosis. But then what happened was, one time she came to me very worried, and I said, what's the problem? She said, you won't understand. And what happened is, she had a small gallery, and she announced to all of her mailing list that a very decorated uh, presenter from Japan will come and present in her gallery. And he decided to cancel, and she was so worried. And I knew that I couldn't give her an advice of what to do. You know, it's her business. So instead of spending time on her body, I spent two hours massaging her head, her skull, her scalp, everywhere in her head. And what happened after that, she made all the phone calls she needed to do, and the exhibition happened. I remember that there was one lady that had two guests that moved into her house, and on the one end, she didn't want them to stay there after three months that they stayed there, and she didn't want to let, tell them to leave, and she was in a bind. So I got her to bounce on a trampoline, and then I massaged her head for two hours, and all of a sudden, everything was settled. Somehow, many times, I'm not saying all the times, nothing is, is absolute, but many times we know what to do, but we're so stressed we can't do anything about it. And if the stress goes away, we find a way. Oh, that's perfect. Well, how about the neck? I mean, the... How about the neck? You, you know, the, let me tell you something. Most people's toes are weak. You know that? I mean, uh, armless people often learn how to feed themselves with their toes. We have the same muscles. In fact, everybody can find it. If you sit in your on your chair at home and if you... Uh, take your shoes off, and you try to curl the toes and move forward. You can actually move your toes forwards and even backwards. But try to stand up. Most people cannot walk with their toes pulling them forwards. And I can do it, by the way, and some of my students can do it. So what happens is most, most people have no control over their toes, but we step on the foot all day long, and most of the muscles of the foot are muscles of the toes. Most of the flesh of the foot are muscles of the toes. So then the toes become weak, and then the ankles are stiff, the the knees are stiff, the hips become stiff, because if the toes are weak, there's compensation in all the legs. 
for that, and then the lower back becomes stiff, which affects digestion. Then the middle back becomes stiff, which affects our breathing. And then the neck becomes stiff, and also the jaw becomes stiff as a result of it. And if you want to loosen up your neck, you have to start by strengthening your toes and then loosening the rest of your body because the whole body pulls the neck downwards. You also need to loosen up your hands because often the hands are in frozen position as we hold pen, as we work with the computer. So loosening the the neck has everything to do with loosening the rest of the body and strengthening muscles that are chronically weak. We do that, then we can work on the neck exercises and stretch the neck and move the head in rotating motion and massage the neck, and then the neck will respond to what we do. Otherwise, you can get massage on your neck and feel wonderful for a day or two and then stiffen it again. Well, that means uh, you have to start from, <laughs> you go from, you work from your toes up to your head. Exactly. Exactly. You know, but you have you have gravity to pull you down, but you don't have the sky to pull you up. So everything shrinks and tightens. So you really have to start and create balance in your body if you don't want to have a stiff neck. Well, I'm thinking about the neck um, when people have strokes, and um, it's from the circulation. And so Absolutely. Our bodies. The neck muscles tighten. The neck muscles tighten. And then, uh, of course, you know, also diet it plays some role in that it creates arteriosclerosis. But the neck muscles tighten. Just Do, do you remember when uh, you had Indian burns when you were a kid, when kids would um, squeeze each other's uh, arm to see if you can get pins and needles in your hands? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, your so muscles do it. The muscles do it in the neck. They tense and they squeeze the major arteries, which leads to either poor blood flow to the head, and then some of the, all you need to do is be upset mentally over something, and then you tense even more, and then those um, muscles contract more than your blood, uh, more than you can afford, and then you could have dizziness, you can have vertigo, you can have headaches, arthritis, and definitely strokes, and eye problems as well, by the way. Or um, the, 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 the second problem here is that the jaw gets very tight and that deprives the head of, from circulation as well. And those strokes are definitely preventable. Loosen up the whole body, loosen up the neck, and you won't have to sit at a doctor's office so many hours. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, we want to give out your website, uh, and that's www.self-healing.org. And you have so much information there. In fact, um, you have tip of the week. So that, those tips are really great. Thanks. Thanks. I give my whole now, heart how do you ma- and soul. <laughs> it's, uh, it's hard for me to believe that you manage all of this and travel so much at the same time. Well, I give the tip of the week when I'm here. Um, when I go to Israel, I give them the tip of the week in Hebrew, but I give the tip of the week when I'm here. <laughs> and because I traveled right now extensively for six weeks, um, then I gave a tip of the week. Last uh, last week I did twi- two tips because I felt I owe 
my follower summons. Very nice to know that up to 19% of the people in our mailing list open the tip of the week. I hope that more and more people will do that. Mayor, can you tell us about the teachers um, that you have with you? Uh, you know, people are into healing and they want to do special things to have support others. And Would you talk about that, please? Absolutely. Uh, one of the people I'm proud of the most, her name is Beatrice, whose mother died uh, in the wheelchair for muscular dystrophy, um, or was in a wheelchair when she was dying, and Beatrice have reversed her fortune by doing uh, work with her body and overcame most of the symptoms of muscular dystrophy. And just um, last, uh, uh, in the summer in Brazil, but in the winter here, uh, on uh, January, I was teaching a class uh, with 25 people, and um, uh, some of them were physiotherapists, some of them were occupational therapists, wonderful people, very talented people. And one of them was actually a physiatrist who is also knows orthopedics and, um, and neurology. And um, it was hard for her to accept my concept. Like I'm telling you, work the lower back separately from the abdomen. It's exactly the opposite of what she learned in her medical school and, and what they teach physiotherapists. But when she opened, uh, we had four days working among ourselves, and one day we worked with uh, the public, and she opened it as a physician, a practicing physician, and said that's the only solution to back problems. And so we worked the whole day on the back. And Beatrice knows how to articulate my work better than myself, uh, since she's also a professor of occupational therapy, but I'm, I'm so proud of her. And there's another student of mine by the name of Vered in Israel who postponed uh, symptoms of, um, of polio by about 40 years. And now she's going to come to the United States because some symptoms creeped up and I have to start and work on her again. But um, she was supposed to be in the wheelchair what, uh, when she were, would have been 25 she is not in the wheelchair yet, and she's uh, in her mid-60s, and that's a, a very nice thing. I have a wonderful guy here by the name of Victor, who is a personal trainer, and uh, he um, uh, had an accident as he was, uh, 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 he had repetitive strain injury as he was driving a truck, a bread truck, and then he was given uh, money to do a course to change his vocation, and he came here, and everything changed for him in his life. And I'm so proud of him that he knows how to be very gentle with people who are weak. He's himself robust in his strength. Uh, I'm very strong, but nothing measures comparing to his. And yet he's gentle like you wouldn't believe. He worked with people with fibromyalgia and helped them to improve their strength enormously. And everybody in his um, uh, gym in, Peta, in Petaluma comes to him when they have problems. Other trainers send people to him, and I'm happy that he works here as well every week and um, helps many people here, including paralyzed people. He's such a gentle soul, and yet, you know, when he comes and works with me, he really works me out, you know. So he's very strong, <laughs> and he knows how to change things with different people. Well, you know, I see that he had a problem with a rotator cuff, and there are a lot of people that <clears throat> that I run into that have a problem with the rotator cuff. 
So I think, you know, we kind of forget about these few things that we think that we have to have some kind of surgery. And, um, you know, there's hope. And, and those surgeries really work well for about a year. And then after that, the problem repeats itself, and now you have scar tissue and weakness. Well, mm-hmm. you know, one thing that most people won't believe at first is that we have in the brain what's called proprioceptors. We sense how things are organized. And if you want to heal your rotator calves, first of all, you have to strengthen, don't fall from your seat, the side of your buttocks, the gluteus medius and the side muscles of the legs. Because once you strengthen them, there's a better support to the side of the body. Then you can work specifically on the rotator cuffs and move them better. I'm showing almost in every workshop of mine that when I get a person to lie on his or her stomach, bend their knee, and then lift the knee upwards, which most people cannot do when they lie on their stomach, when they do that and create more strength in their buttocks muscle and I teach them to do it actually with resistance training I lift the leg again the knees bent and I lift it and I get them to push it downwards which most people can do and then they can start and lift them upwards almost anyone who cannot lift his shoulder up can start and lift his shoulder up it looks like a miracle but it isn't the proprioceptors are getting the idea that the side of the body can support the upper side of the body And then you can work with it, just like I told you about the toes. If there's a sense that the lower body supports the upper body, you can loosen up the neck. If there's no such sense, the neck will remain tense. Yeah. Wow, that's remarkable. Yeah. So understanding how how the brain takes into account everything that you do and basically measures and say, oh, this person doesn't have support on the, from the lower body up. Oh, that means we have to really tense up. So, you know, many people just do the same exercise again and again. I paid attention that when I taught classes to run backwards, those who run backwards the fastest actually developed a short Achilles tendon. How did they run fast? They never put their heels on the ground. So they ran fast on uh, two-thirds or three-quarters of the foot, and then they tensed up their Achilles tendon. That's how you, that's how you do things wrong. And who runs forwards quickly? Those who don't go heel to toe. They skip the heel. They go to the toe. Again, eventually, the result is, after running for a long time, you're going to ruin your, le- your ankles, your knees, and your, and your hips. At first, it would look great. You build up strong muscles. You did well. But how you organized your body destroyed your body. So the thing is to learn to reorganize would make such a huge difference in people's life, immeasurable difference. And that's basically what I teach people to do. Mary, that's, ex- that's really exciting. You know, people, like you say, when you run, you kind of run on, the, on the, 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 the upper, you forget your heel. <laughs> you exactly. You're part of your foot. Um, and uh, this is interesting because I noticed that when I'm in the pool, uh, you know, it feels really good to go heel toe, heel toe, heel toe, exactly. walking forward and backward too. So um, that's uh, it, amazing. It's interesting what you're saying because m- much of my work with patients, 
uh, I'm having a Parkinson patient. I said the next session between us should be in a pool. I'm going to teach him to walk exactly that way because he lost his confidence in walking. That's where you gain back your confidence to a great extent. When you walk heel to toe uh, in the pool and then you walk backwards, it's toe to heel. And you can do all that because the water supports you, so you're not afraid of falling. There's a nice yeah. pool not far from our school, uh, the Janet Palmeroy Center. It used to be called uh, the Center for the Handicapped, which I think is a good way to call it. Janet Palmeroy is the one who built it up. That is a wonderful pool, which is 92 degrees, so you don't have to swim to get warm, and you can walk back and forth in it. Although I must tell you, there's something good about swimming in cold water, taking away your inflammation, and doing some exercises then. But uh, for a half an hour, 45 minutes of exercise, to go to nice and warm water that will free you is one of the best things you could possibly do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna start work, working in the water to mm-hmm. get all my everything back in shape. <laughs> you <laughs> because should. I walk crooked and Paula, right yeah. Paula, with all these interviews, I'm telling you to the whole public, you're entitled for a free session for me. So any time that you're in the city, uh, let's meet for evaluation for a good massage, and I will give you some good suggestions of what to do with your ankle, uh, and maybe. Um, We'll even do a double session. We'll take you also to the pool and we'll work there. Because I think that you oh. deserve to feel better. Well, I'm, I'm going to get there. I'm bound and determined. Please. <laughs> Catch me up. Let's find out when the schedule between the two of us work. And believe me, I, I want you to do better. You, if anyone deserves to do better, it's you. You're such a kind person with a lot of uh, positive thoughts and uh, positive help and you want to help the world, the world needs to help you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Yeah. And just before we go, we have to remind everybody that you're going to be at the East-West Bookstore in Mountain View, where a lot of our listeners are close. And if you can make it, please try to get there, because there's so many different tips and, and, and information you will receive from here. So that's uh, what's what date and time is that in Mountain View? It's going to be on Wednesday, the 25th of June. And I want to tell everybody that from 7 to 8.30, uh, come ready to put your contact lenses in the case, ready uh, to put your glasses in your pocket. We are going to exercise. I don't simply give lectures. All my lectures are mini workshops. And I don't want to tell you your eyes can get better. I want to show you that your eyes can get better. Of course, it's going to be temporary, just like you cannot say that, okay, I'll stretch for five minutes and I'll be loose for the rest of my life. But if you know in five minutes of stretch that you get looser, then you know that you may want to repeat it a few times every day so you'll remain looser. And so we'll show you that your eyes can get better. And then come on the 28th to the paid workshop, in our school, you support our school that way, our concept that way, but first of all, you'll support your vision and will prevent many, 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 many eye problems that you and your friends can have by having this wonderful knowledge. Mia, thank you so much for being with us. We just love it each time, and we look forward to having you back again. You want to tell me a whole hour is over? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Believe it or not, wow. 
<laughs> well, uh, well, I shouldn't have you for a cup of tea because I don't think I'll ever stop talking to you. <laughs> All right, go <here> come. <laughs> okay, your, your website is self-healing.org, and uh, give give the school a call if you have any questions. And um, uh, let's see, May I, our number is four one five six six five nine five seven four. Four one five six six five nine five seven four. Okay, thank you. Well, thank you so much. Thank, <laughs> thank you, you for much. all the work you're doing to, for the world. Well, thank bye you bye. very much, Paula. Bye bye. Bye bye.